One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Dirtbags. Thank you so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm just so happy to have you here again this week. We've got a great episode. One of my oldest friends in the whole world, Ian Dupierre. We've known each other since we were freshmen in high school or maybe even a little bit before that. Ian and I played together in my first two, like actual bands that played shows and went out of town to play shows led by the flame when we were in high school and alaskan me towards the end of high school and well into the college years or you know young adult years and he's one of my oldest buds and it was just a great conversation it's great catching up with him you know as you get older it's harder to get on the phone or get to catch up and i don't make it out to arizona super often to see him and he hasn't been to new york city since oh man new year's 2016 2015 2016 uh yeah so it was just great catching up with Ian. We kind of came up together playing music, and we were the rhythm section in Alaska and me, and I learned how to be a musician in that band. I learned a lot about how to play as a band, how to book tours, how to how to play in the studio to a click track, and how to just gel as a rhythm section, what it meant to be a rhythm section. And I kind of learned how to do that with Ian as my drummer, and it was a... Uh, I don't know, we just he's just one of my oldest buds, and I'm so glad that I got to have this conversation with him, and I think you all will enjoy the conversation that we had, even if you don't know Ian and I personally. Ian's the main songwriter and singer in a band called Fill the Band out of Sholo, Arizona. I'm just so glad that he's playing music again, he's releasing music, and he's playing with some really rad dudes, Dylan, Tony, Cody. I love you dudes so much, and I'm so glad that y'all are playing music. I can't wait to play some shows with y'all when we come through Arizona sometime in the near future. Um, near to distant future. I don't know exactly when we'll be playing shows out there again, but I can't wait to share the stage with y'all sometime in the future. I'm excited for everyone to hear this episode, but before we get to it, some quick things to attend to. If you'd like to see me play music live in the next few months, I've got a couple opportunities for you to do that. In the New York City area, the Space Force Deserters and I will be playing at PDA Pizza on September 18th from 12 to 2 p.m. It's going to be like a brunch takeover type show. We're going to be playing some jams. We're going to be playing some new stuff, some old stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, and they've got amazing pizzas, some great sourdough pancake specials. It's, it's going to be really fun. So if you're in New York City on September 18th, come out to PDA Pizza in Park Slope. It's on the corner of Union Street and 4th Ave, and we'll be there from 12 to 2 p.m. Look forward to seeing you there. We're also playing October 16th in the Baltimore area with our friends Icarus Phoenix. Singer of that is Drew Danbury, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, a month or so ago. Yeah, we're playing with them at the Depot in the Baltimore area, October 16th, I believe from 4 to 7 p.m. is when the show's going. I don't know exactly when we're playing. But yeah, come out, see us play. Got some more things coming in November, December, and well into the new year lots of exciting stuff coming so keep tuning in follow me on instagram if you don't already charles.smellsworth and if you got any questions about the show shoot me an email at a dirtbagsguide at gmail.com if you like to support the show and help us stay on the air or keep making podcast episodes the best way for you to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and find out what we're doing over there you can sign up if you're not familiar with patreon you can sign up there to 
to contribute a few dollars a month, whatever you think is appropriate and whatever you can afford to our cause, to making sure that I can keep making podcasts, I can keep making music and just doing what I do. Patreon is a big supporter of these kind of transition times between when I'm on the road and I have transitioned to being home and having to find work and everything like that. It's just, it really helps me out and it helps me kind of explore new ideas when I'm like, hey, I, I kind of want to try this thing for this song. Patreon kind of having that cushion helps cover things like that. So if you'd like to support the show and you've got a few extra bucks to throw at us each month, go to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth and find out what you can get in return for your money. If you're more in the market for a copy of one of my records, Cesarea or Honeysuckle Summer on vinyl, or one of the rad t-shirts we've got left over from the couple of tours we did this year, go to my Bandcamp, charlesellsworth.bandcamp.com, and check out some of the merchandise we've got. My last two records, Honeysuckle Summer and Cesarea on vinyl, we've got some copies of that left running low on Cesarea, so you'd want to get that before we sell out, because I'm not sure when I'm going to have the money to reprint those. Be sure and get on that. I think we've got, like, we're in the last, like, 25 copies that I have at all. So, go check out charlesellsworth.bandcamp.com we got lots of great designs everything's on sale marked to go and every sale makes a big difference for me i usually try and include a little special something in each package it comes directly from me i ship it out myself if you care about supporting artists and small businesses and everything like that this is a great way to do it if you're not in the financial position to spend some money on merch or sign up for patreon at the moment i totally understand but the good news is there's other ways you can make a big impact for me without having to spend any money at all and the first one the main one is to go to the apple podcast app and leave us a rating and a review and the review doesn't have to be too long but just it it helps kind of push us out to more and more people and gives us a little more traction on the charts there in the apple podcast app and right now i'm just while i'm home from tour and not really traveling a whole lot i'm trying to really focus on growing the podcast putting out episodes every week and and if y'all could help me with that by leaving us a review or subscribing to us on spotify telling your friends about the podcast luckily those things are not too difficult for you and they make a really big difference for us here at the show so please tell some friends about it, leave us a review, all those things. If you want to hear some of my music, if you're not familiar with it, you should check it out. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, all those things. Just look for me, Charles Ellsworth, and you can listen to some of my tunes. If you like anything, please add it to one of your playlists, like it, subscribe to me. If everyone listening to me right now would just pull out their phone, look me up on Spotify or Apple Music, and just click the subscribe button, that would be so cool. I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for tuning in. One th final thing is, for Bandcamp Friday this past week, I wanted to release something. I haven't released really any new music in a, quite a while. And I have these commission songs that, that some people commission me to record cover songs for their loved ones for like a birthday or anniversary. And so I had these ones that I was like, oh, this is a nice little concise collection of things. I put some finishing touches on some stuff or kind of changed some levels a little bit and put it out there on Bandcamp for free. It's called Chuck Goes Acoustic Volume 1. And that'd be awesome if you check that out. Let me know what you think. I think the REO Speedwagon cover. Oh, wait, I think we got a clip. And I meant every word I said When I said that I love you I meant that I love you forever And I'm gonna keep on loving you Cause it's the only thing I want I think it turned out pretty cool and it's a cool way for me to learn more about recording and engineering and I know it seems like they're kind of far off but the holidays are kind of just around the corner and if you think that you would like to commission a song from me a cover of one of your loved one's favorite songs as a gift for the holidays please hit me up 
I would be more than happy to do that. I like to work on a sliding scale to make it available to more and more people, but there's only so many I can do before the holidays. So the sooner you hit me up, the better. A dirtbagsguide at gmail.com. That all being said, thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the long intro this week. I'm so excited for y'all to hear my conversation with Ian Dupierre. Ian, thanks so much for being on the podcast. How you doing? How's your day been? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I've been good. I've been just enjoying the busy part of summer, trying to get through uh-huh. it. That's, uh, that's awesome. We, uh, for those of you listening that don't know, Ian and I go back super far, and so it's like there's going to be a lot of stuff that I already like know that uh, I want to go over because I want to go back to the beginning. Tell me about, tell me about where you were born, Ian. Uh, I was born in Buckeye. Actually, the West Valley, um, west of Phoenix, so a little ways out there. When I was growing up out there, there was pretty much nothing where we were at. It was just desert, as far as you could see. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and uh, Buckeye's now kind of like suburbs, right? It's been kind of built out a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I haven't been down for a while, but last time I was down there, probably a few years ago. Crazy how many... Dirt roads, there used to be dirt roads and paved, and there's little stores at every corner. I mean, it was literally almost in the middle of nowhere. We had like three neighbors within miles of us. Yeah, no, that sounds like the Buckeye I remember from my youth. Um, what was it like growing up there? How long did you live there? It was good. It was a cool place to be um, as a kid. I mean, I had miles and miles just to go adventure and hike all day and play around and chase animals. But uh, I was there until 10 or 11. I think I was like 11. And we moved up to Pine Top. Me and my dad came and then my sister and mom followed after his grandma had passed away. Or sorry, his grandpa had mm-hmm. passed away. My great grandpa. We went up there to kind of help her and uh, ended up becoming full-timers. And you and I met... Um... A little bit before freshman year? Yeah, freshman yeah. year. Well, no. I guess we played baseball. would have been eighth grade when I was homeschooled. So I didn't go to oh, yeah. Blue Ridge until freshman year. And then uh, we played football together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. That's when I got like, my social life. Yeah, when you, when you learned how to stop being such a weirdo. <laughs> when I got plugged into the pipeline, the social pipeline. Yeah, I remember just when we were in high school giving you shit about being like the weird homeschooled kid, even though you were you were totally normal, you weren't weird at all, but it was just fun to do. <laughs> but, well, it's probably because um, I also, if you remember, when I first came to, when I first met you, it was California camp right before we started freshman year, and I had a perm. I don't know why my mom had the idea to give a little white boy a perm right before his first day of public school. <laughs> it was off the wall. I'd never, never had a curly hair. And I don't know if people thought that was my hair at first, but I don't know how well I played it off. I thought that was your real hair until you told me it was a perm. (laughs) Yeah, she gave me a perm and she liked to pull around my hair. I think she bleached it right after because I think it was bleached in my freshman pictures. I remember it being bleached. Uh, What was it like being homeschooled? What did the day look like? Because I don't think a lot of people have that experience. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I was, especially when I was younger, I felt really motivated and all of my curriculum, all the stuff we had, because it was pretty, I mean, my grandma and my mom kind of both taught me at that time, but uh-huh. up until, I would say, maybe like eight years old-ish, but I don't know how old grade I'd be in, third, fourth grade or whatever, but around that time, I kind of started teaching a little more myself and learning myself, so I pretty much made my schedule. Um, we would start school at seven or eight, whichever time it was, and 
I could be done at noon if I was really pounding the books just to get outside and go play all day or sit there all day. And you know, it was really up to me how early I wanted to get off, which when I was younger, I would work hard to get done. And uh, I think I lost a little more motivation once I've made a lot more friends, <laughs> which probably was. Yeah, the- totally. No, not, not entirely a bad thing, but uh, yeah, that's such a different experience. Cause I remember being young and being in, um, yeah, even like as early as like fourth or fifth grade, just feeling like I was in a little child prison some days, just being like forced to be there for certain times and uh, just like, you know, brick, brick buildings without windows. And uh, yeah, it could really feel like a child prison. And so in a way that's or that's cool that you had that different experience where you could just like finish your work and go. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just looking out the window at my playground, so it's, yeah, it was a shock going to school. I mean, especially being used to that, having to sit there for an hour and a half. I think we're in our classes like an hour and a half, sit Uh there in four different classes and just like become part of that structure. It was just totally different. I remember hating it. I remember, I think, coming home and like crying some days after school and just telling my mom, I hate it, I don't want to go. It wasn't until later in high school, I think junior year, summer actually started kind of enjoying it making more friends yeah it must have been like a such a such a huge culture shock or like you know just a crazy transition especially at that age going through puberty or you're starting to like girls or you know like it's um, (laughs) you know and it just but it's like a whole I don't know you hadn't really had that experience before no not on a large scale I mean I you know played some city sports and went to you know small function stuff so I met a couple friends here and there but Walking the halls the first day was a total shock. It was just scary. It was like being let out in the wild. Yeah, totally. That's that's so so wild because that was just my experience from like obviously it's different as you get older, but from like kindergarten on, I was just in in public school. So that's a really unique experience. When did you start playing music? I started playing music guitar. I think I took a couple lessons. I think you might remember a guitar teacher in our town named Kent. Uh-huh. Um, I think a few of us had lessons with him. He started teaching me acoustic for a couple months when I was like 12. Um, I missed that. I only took maybe a half dozen lessons, dozen lessons. And then mm-hmm. uh, I remember telling my grandma, actually, you know, hey, I want to play drums. I watched that at the time. I watched the Blink-182 video. I want to say it's What's My Age Again or something. And uh, I remember, probably wasn't even that. I don't think she would let me watch that one. But I remember saying, clip a video. <laughs> And thinking, man, I want to play drums. You know, it's Travis Barker. Was, I think any kid wanted to play drums at that point if they saw him. Yeah, totally. My grandma made me a deal if I played for our church at the time that she would buy me a drum set. So I uh, I took that offer and uh, she got me a drum set. So I started playing for our church at about 12 years old. So um, I was probably 14 or 15. And that time I played drums, a tiny bit of guitar. But drums were my main thing, and uh, I didn't really start taking it seriously until I was probably about 15, 14, 15, um, right around the time, right before I met you guys, and we started jamming in our first band, uh-huh. which for all the all the listeners out there that don't know, Led by the Flame. Yeah, Led by the Flame was our, was our high school band. Yeah, so that's kind of how I started my musical career, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of been a... Half-asser ever since, I guess you say. A half-asser? You've never half-assed anything in your life, Ian du- <laughs> Dupois. I know. Comparing myself to legends as yourself, I uh, no, I 
been in and out a lot. There's a lot of times where I've never stopped playing music, but I would go mm-hmm. months without touching my instrument. Uh, you know, your years without playing a show or anything. It's just uh, kind of a thing you just can't seem to shake. You know, I never thought I'd be in my 30s still sitting at my computer, book as many shows as I can, but you watch people still doing it and you look up to a lot of people that are still doing it and it becomes kind of just a lifestyle that uh, I think you just want to be a part of. Totally. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I, I, remember, I remember being kind of ageist, when, especially when we were in high school or like later on. Uh, when we started playing like a little bit more seriously and traveling a little bit. And then you'd see these every once in a while, you're like a 19 year old kid and you get booked with a bunch of dudes in their like late thirties or forties, you know, and they, to you, they seem like dads or grown ass men and or they are dads, you know? <clears throat> and so, you know, it's kind of ageist. I'm just like, man, like, I don't know. I just like, I didn't like, I wouldn't say I looked down on it. It was just like, this is a kind of weird. Cause I just didn't really hang with many adults. <laughs> you know, I was still like a child. Um, but then now I'm just like, well, yeah, like I'm going to be playing in bands and music and with uh, like our solo or whatever, some form of it for forever, probably. So and I'm going to probably get booked with some 19 year old kids that are just like, who the fuck is this old fart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I feel like I, I feel like yeah, at this age, I'm already kind of the old man at a lot of the shows we play, especially in our genre. But um, at the same time, I remember being at that age, you know, when we were 18, 19, and seeing a lot of these older guys, probably just because they had a bunch of tattoos and played their instrument decently well, looking up to them, thinking like, damn, they're freaking cool. And then not only we're at that point, but I feel like we're kind of at that era where we're still young, young enough. <laughs> To be doing it, uh-huh. people can't really tell how old we are. You know, I think our music kind of tells, but it's still hard to tell if we're a 45-year-old rocker, or 35 or 25. You know, it's a pretty. I still see people in you know of all ages doing it. It's crazy. Totally, yeah. I mean, my favorite is like I, I went and saw Built to Spill a couple months ago. You know, and it's just like Doug. Yeah, Doug, their their singer is just like this like tall bald old guy you know like he's just every time i've seen him is like like uh he's just older and he's still rock super hard and and it's built to spill so it's some of my favorite music and it's but it's just like what's what's wild to me and we're kind of getting a little out there but like um you know i just turned 35 last week and so um i don't even know what i'm oh thanks dude uh I'm just, uh, that's why I'm recording this whole podcast is so you have to wish me happy birthday over the phone. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, just like the, it's just crazy to think, um, like after high school, you and I played in a band called Alaska and me. And, uh, and like when we, I was just thinking about our first trip to New York to record that first EP on Long Island. Um, that was, 16 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, like it's like, it does not feel that long ago, but time just like keeps on moving. Time keeps on slipping into the future. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, actually, we were pretty, and I'd like to see us then, but I feel like we were pretty not advanced, but we were doing well at that time to how, you know, traveling out to New York from a small little town, going and recording, laying down tracks. I was thinking back the other day, I remember recording one of the tracks, you know, that was probably the first time we ever really recorded to a click track. And uh, uh-huh. I remember recording one of them with, without any 
scratch guitars, you know, we were laying down all this stuff, all that experimental stuff that uh, Anthony was doing with us and his recording at the time. It was really cool that we were had the availability to do stuff like that 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I, I, um, what's, what's funny to me is I look back on that time as like just being blindly led through like enthusiastically, but being blindly led through the process of recording. I didn't know. I, I just didn't understand how it translated from the sound you make to like the speakers when it comes out, you know what I mean? And it just, and I understood like kind of the concept of it and, and like how it works. You just stand there and record in front of that microphone or, or through, through a cable going in, you know, like, but I just didn't really fully understand. I was like, back then I was way better at, you know, setting up shows and networking and, you know, doing that whole thing. And I, and the whole music thing became, I was kind of like, you know, I just wasn't, was probably the worst musician in the band. Um, <laughs> I would say that we were all learning. <laughs> you had just come from singing too, which is totally different. And you really didn't have any experience playing bass, which is pretty crazy just to jump in from somebody that played some guitar and just randomly sing to, Hey, you're playing bass in this indie band. So it's totally different than the punk band we were in. Yeah, no, that's true. And, um, I guess that was probably part of it was that I was kind of like learning a, new instrument in a lot of ways and uh you know tyler and and ben always had kind of like a vision because they like started the band together and so you and i as the rhythm section kind of came in a little later i guess i don't know we're getting pretty yeah we're just we're just diving into the laam days <laughs> yeah. yeah uh that was, that was definitely i would i want to say that new york trip at the studio is probably one of the most influential things we ever did in music that's the i don't know the kickoff for us that Still, I, that's one of my favorite things to do is record music. I love getting in the studio, especially on drums. You know, mm -hmm. I love being in there. It's just one of my favorite things to do um, next to playing shows, which is kind of just, I got a new fire for that lately since I've recently started singing, you know, and mm -hmm. my music. Yeah, I hope everyone's okay. I hope it's just a routine checkup <laughs> in an ambulance. Maybe somebody... We've masturbated and spent four hours, and nothing's going down. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they had to contact their doctor because of because of those sorts of complications. I don't know. Do you take an ambulance ride for that? I don't I know. Really, I would. Uh, I'd call. I'd call nine one one. It would be difficult to walk to the walk all the way to the hospital that way, or ride a bike. You know, I can't remember ever trying to ride a bike with a boner, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't. Might be enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I guess it depends on... You might be kind of kind of hitting the G spot while you're cruising along, seeing things. <laughs> it depends on how breathable the the fabric of of your shorts are. <laughs> how narrow the feet might be. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. We just start talking to friends from high school, and we just start making jokes that we would have made in high school. I know. <laughs> no, but that I mean that New York trip, like. For people that are, are, you know, listening and don't really or aren't familiar with it, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, so I we we played in this band um, led by the flame through part of college or through part of high school. And then that band broke up and then we started playing with these guys, Tyler and Ben, who had like started a solo, like it started this this uh, project and they needed like a rhythm section. So we joined up with it and then rewind the. Uh few months they were in not our rival band but i guess our brother band 
that we play with a lot locally, and which is also a very different genre. They're like screamo. So it was like those yeah, yeah. kids and our punk rock screamo-ish band kind of just blended together. Totally. Yeah, they were like in another band called Frames in Vain. We always we played every show together along with the band Gorky that is still a band and we're going to have Jesse on the podcast at some point. Um, oh, hell yeah. So then we, we um, those bands kind of dissolve. Ben and Tyler start this other thing, and then Ian and I join up as the rhythm section, and we, we played for you know most of senior year and then the summer after, and then I went to Utah for college, and I just thought that I was kind of done with the band at that point. Um, and... And then that spring, you guys reached out to me and were like, hey, when you come back this summer, we'd like to make make a record. We've got all these songs we've been playing and stuff, and, and we want you to play bass on it. What do you think? Um, and I was like, hell yeah. And so so I did it. And so I jumped back in the band that summer. And so can you remember what, what went on during that, that first year when I was away in Utah? Yeah, actually, it's crazy you say that because I almost forgot about that whole year. To me, it just kind of went to where we left for Utah, but yeah. So, man, I didn't even smoke pot then, but everything's so spotty. I just pretty much, I think it would have been kind of through the winter time and springtime, so I feel like we just hung out kind of until I got to know the guys. And uh, we'd play music. We did write a few songs. We didn't do anything. We really didn't do anything because you were kind of the whole business of the band, so we weren't really booking shows um, or doing anything. I guess we were just writing songs that meantime, um, all mm-hmm. kind of working at our first jobs, hating life <laughs> and thinking how we didn't want to be working at the time. I can still remember just feeling every day going to work. I'm not going to work. I'm going to play music for a living. Here I am working. Yeah. Still playing music. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually you realize just everybody's got to work. Like not everyone gets to just play music. That's a really hard thing to fucking do. <laughs> yeah. In the ideal world, we'd be a lot different. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's still a goal to work towards. But maybe some of us will be retired from our other jobs before we're just playing music full time. <laughs> yeah, or we'll just be working part time, minimal hours, night shows every chance we can get. That's pretty much what I'm doing, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good, man. How was your? Uh, I want to jump somewhere else. How was the tour? Wish I could have saw you, but you were a little further up. Yeah, the. I mean, originally I was trying to make the drive from Montana to. Uh, Arizona for like that one show and then back to Utah and it just didn't make any sense to drive that much especially with gas prices that high the the tour was great dude it was really good um you spend a bit of Mon- it, time in Montana it looks like I know this is about me and everyone wants to about me but I'm, I want to hear about you I want to be talking all the time. yeah yeah I you know pretty much went to um or booked the tour with the intention to try and spend some time outdoors in Montana and Utah and just kind of like hanging out with banjo because it was like my first solo tour since getting him and uh yeah it was awesome played a lot of really cool shows um you know like when like it just feels like the momentum there was like some tangible momentum going on you know like people were really digging what I was doing on a on another level that I haven't really felt on a solo tour in a while like I used to you know, you'd get that feeling after certain shows, but maybe not every single one. But this one was just like every show, just except for one. But that was for other reasons. But uh, I don't know. It's just that that sort of thing where where everything just feels like it's like heading in the right direction. And uh, 
just really grateful to be out there. That's cool. And I give you props to that because touring is a hard thing, man. It's hard not only doing and being on the road and being gone a lot. It's a lot of work to set up a tour. Something I've been working on, hopefully doing this winter, you know, springtime. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. a lot of work to plan things and make everything make sense. Yeah, it's a it's a whole <laughs> it's a whole thing. Like it's uh I don't know. It feels like what I've done in the past year especially um as far as touring with the band and then just now solo, I've kind of got connections. The nice thing is like eventually you get connections in these places where you're like I know that if I contact them 4 months, 5 months out, they're probably not going to be booked. So I can reach out to all my friends or all the people I know that I can just like text and be like, hey, can you have me on this day or whatever? And then you fill in like most of your tour that way because it's just it's just really quick because you already know all these people. And then all the problem spots where where you don't really you always struggle to get shows or where you've never played before. Then you've got that's where you you only have to send like 30 unanswered emails to those towns instead of all the towns. And that's where I feel like I am now. It's like I've got like, it's like 50-50. I'm not just like blindly shooting in the dark for everything besides like a handful of anchor shows. I feel like I know like, okay, I know I can get shows here and they usually pay this much or or this one doesn't pay. But if I, but they or this one gives me a percentage of the bar. And if I play there on a Saturday, I know I'm going to make X amount or around, you know, that whole thing. So it just gets easier and easier. Um as you do it and which is which I was really worried about going into COVID or like especially in the middle of COVID I was like really worried that like it was going to be really hard for even bands that were bigger than me to be getting shows after COVID because everybody was going to want to be touring so damn much and whatnot and it is kind of that way it seems like I know a lot of people that are out there on the road working really hard right now but um but I've also just been able to get shows, you know, people have been really responsive and maybe it's the new record. A lot more people heard and, and really dug. And so now they respond to me a little bit more, but I don't know. I just feel like there's some cool momentum that I'm very, very grateful yeah, that's for. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love seeing it. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. It's like kind of a tangent. Um, <laughs> thank you. Speaking. I mean, so <laughs> we're jumping all around, but I, I don't know, like, Let's uh let's talk about Phil for a little bit, and then we can come back to Alaska and me and and some other stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell me about like like how how your new project got started. Um, Phil, yeah, Phil. It's uh, originally started as Phil, and uh, just the name because actually uh, me and uh, Mike Mike Fidel actually were talking. For those that don't know, he's a friend lives out in uh, Indianapolis. And uh, he was just, we were exchanging some ideas and different things, names. He was like, hey, have you ever thought about naming a project after a name, like a person, I was like Bob or something? Or I was like, yeah. I was like, what about Phil? And he's like, oh, yeah, Phil, dude. He's like, I was literally just thinking Phil would be such a cool name. He, and I was like, that's my dog's name. So I think that'd be cool. So we started a project. Uh -huh. um, Phil wasn't really much. We exchanged some ideas. Um and then I ended up kind of creating a band out here of just some buddies. We got together a few times and jammed. And uh, I guess ultimately the first thing we did was that made a little music video. And uh, we all just kind of acted the parts. The guys really didn't even know half their parts. Um, I played most of them. We just said, you mm -hmm. know, just come in, let's play it and see how it works. 
and then after that, we just kind of written a few songs. Um, this has been the first rock project I've really done. I've written a lot of acoustic stuff before, but I've always wanted to start kind of a rock, punk rocky band. Um, and it's just kind of put itself together over the past year. I think uh, June of last year, during COVID, probably out of a lot of boredom and stuff, started playing more music and uh, writing a lot more songs. And then got the guys, luckily, they were locally available to play as parts. And uh, now we're kind of at the point where I don't write all the parts. I just have a melody and a uh, little rhythm, and they just kind of throw everything together. And we do regularly practice, which definitely helps. So I guess I've been uh-huh. practicing for a long time and having the band that the guys have jammed with. It's been fun again. I've missed yeah. you in a while now. No, that's it's awesome. I've been wanting you to start a band for a while too. And uh, for the listeners that don't know, how long was it between projects for you that until you started Phil? So last company broke up like 2009, 2010. I moved down to Phoenix pretty much for music. I wanted to uh, scour over MySpace at the time and just find other musicians, which I did. And I joined another band called The Secrets We Keep, which is kind of an emo rock band. And played with these guys for like a year down there until 2011 when I moved back to Sholo. Um, I played in Boxing, which was just the same guys from Alaska. I mean, we just did some songs and albums. Didn't really do much with it. But uh, uh, Ben and I had a little project, Warranty. We played for a year or two. When we came up and saw you in the... Salt Lake. Did we play a show up mm-hmm. there? Or did we just record? Yeah, I think I remember we played at Bar Deluxe that now yeah, is yeah. Uh, is the Beehive, I want to say. Beehive Social Club. But yeah, Bar Deluxe. Yeah, so that was just kind of a fun project. Didn't really do much. Um, I've had my own music, which is Western Figures, and uh, that's just been kind of some gone in the last 10 years. I've probably written a dozen songs or not only 20-some songs, and it's just Kind of a fun thing, but I've never actually put it out there. I've always wanted to, and that's when I say, go back to the half-assed. Um, didn't really do it, you know, didn't commit and start a band. Get out there, jam, play shows, you know, the old school way. Just get as many shows as you can and just go around. And that's why, that's my goal now is just, uh, you know, I don't think a tour is going to happen, hopefully until this winter, March, you know, springtime. But uh, I just want to start getting shows in different areas. We're playing Prescott later this mm-hmm. year. Um, we are playing our hometown this month, and so at least every month, just get out there in a different place, play, you know, put our music in front of people. Totally, no, and I I love how much you guys have been going, and uh, yeah, it's just awesome to see. I've been wanting you to be more active playing music for a long time now, and uh, thanks, man. What's the what would you say have you noticed that's changed the most since? You know, you were full on playing music with like the the secrets we keep was probably the last time you were like in a band that was like really going for it. Yeah. Yeah. We practiced, I want to say at least two times a week, like religiously. And we lived, it was sucked. They were, we were in Gilbert. They were like North Phoenix. So it was like a 45 minute drive each way, an hour, depending on traffic each way to practice. But we oh. were just playing as much as we can. We played the clubhouse a lot at that point, which closed mm-hmm. down as well. But, uh, as well, I guess it's the first one we're talking about the closed down, but, um, yeah. So, that was a long time in between from doing anything regularly. And what what have you what would you say has changed since then, like the most, or, or like from from your perspective? As far as like my perspective on music or myself, 
or just like like being involved in like the music scene or trying to play shows, book shows, being the older guy in the scene? So I feel like at first, I feel like you just left out. <laughs> I feel like it was very hard to book shows. I was sending out hundreds mm-hmm. of emails, you know, to venues and only a couple responding and then finding out, oh, well, this guy promotes there, so you need to hit him up or at least hit these bands up because they play there a lot. And uh, over that time, we've met quite a few bands and uh, shared stages quite a few, especially recently. Uh, we played Mesa, met a lot of really awesome people. Um, it's hard getting my foot back in the door for sure. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot has changed, you know, because when your head's out the door for a couple months or years, however long it is, like me, a lot the music scene changes really fast. You know, we were yeah. back in the day, you could just add as many MySpace friends as you can and send people a few messages and book shows. I felt like, but now it's like you have to know a few people. You know, you have to at least have some kind of reputation to where they're going to want to book you, at least a few plays on your Spotify or whatever, um, a few followers on your mm-hmm. social media. That's why I feel like building a social presence has been the hardest thing. You know, it's hard to get true followers, not just spam people and doing click for clicks to try to get, you know, follow for follows or whatever. So it has changed yeah. the whole representation of it and even post COVID. Um, I feel like things have changed a little bit, kind of back to normal, I guess. Well, like I remember you and I would just sit there with my little laptop at our apartment in Salt Lake City and just add people on MySpace (laughs) or invite them to just taking turns, just doing it for like hundreds of people, just as many people as possible because like a certain number of them would check it out because it was early enough that like that wasn't, and I'm sure, and I know people still do that, but like back then people would actually like listen, not, you know, not all of them, but that was just like a viable way of like gaining new fans. We did that for the longest time, but then, you know, when in the, the break between when Alaska and me broke up and I started playing shows again, MySpace just like went away. Like all of those connections we had made just were gone. It was so easy. It was like the Facebook. I mean, Facebook still kind of, Tough other than messaging people um but yeah it's crazy <laughs> totally it's uh i mean we sound like dinosaurs right now talking about myspace uh but uh <laughs> I, I was thinking of sorry i'm kind of zoning out but uh, i was thinking about how like you're saying but follow you know we follow 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 it's kind of still like that in a way i, I see a lot of artists sometimes you know there's people that are just like blown up or they got like a thousand followers and they're following two people and they have like three songs out and it's like damn are they just hitting the road, you know, playing my shows? How do they get that? But then there's guys you see, you know, who have, they're following twice as many or five times as many people that are actually following them, which I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of those followers are pretty genuine. But it seems like you kind of lose and gain a lot of people at that point. Not as many people are engaged as genuine followers, which you gain. I feel like, you know, playing shows, every time we play a show, I feel like you get 15 new followers, which isn't a big amount, but you play, you know, 20 shows, they all start to add up. So, yeah, yeah it's sad how much I watch those numbers. I mean, <laughs> there's always numbers to watch. That's something. I mean, if it's if I'm not looking at my my Spotify plays for the day, I'm looking at how many plays the latest episode of the podcast got. Blah blah blah. It's like, I've, it's it's so bad to the point where I just delete those apps off my phone. Like I'll I'll put them on my phone in the morning and check it, and then delete it so I'm not checking it all day because it'll it won't even change, you know. And I'll still look at it. Yeah, and that's the thing for me too. I 
you know, when the song, my certain songs first come out, you get a few plays and you're like, oh yeah, man, this is sweet. And then it slows down and, uh, you check us one time, there's 10 people listening to something like, whoa, that's crazy. And I haven't seen anybody listening in the last few weeks or month, whatever it's been. And it's like, it's so depressing. It's like, I don't know why I'm paying attention. You know, there's still a couple hundred people listening to music around there. It's cool. It's cool that that many people are listening. Totally. Well, and I mean, that's like the, it's, it's so funny. Cause like I, I know all day long that just looking at those numbers isn't going to help anything. And I'm not really learning anything from those numbers. I'm just like obsessing over them. And, and, but like, I don't really have also a lot of control over it uh, in a way like I do, but like the most plays that I get on Spotify or like the biggest fluctuation isn't based on shows that I play or based on people that I get in front of or whatnot. It's usually based on like how many people are getting my songs via like your daily mix or radio. That's like the biggest fluctuation. So it's all, it's all in like Spotify's control in a way. And it's like, it's not all in their control, but that's just like kind of really a, 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 thing that I got to remind myself because it's like dude even like it you can only influence these numbers so much and there's there's more productive things to do than just stare at your phone or look at these numbers like maybe I've been trying to do a lot more like practicing scales on my guitar you know just like it's like I've got five minutes I'm gonna sit here and try and practice some scales on my guitar just to or like some finger exercises just to build up strength and whatnot because like I play a lot of guitar but I don't do a lot of like practicing and I think it's reflected in my playing, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I, I can do some, I can play guitar better than I ever thought I would be able to when I was like in high school, but yeah, it's dude, still yeah. like, thank you. Uh, but like, then I was like watching John Calvin Abney playing here in New York city for a couple nights. And that dude fucking like rips on like a virtuosic level. And I'm like, fuck, I need to practice more. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. I, and I'm not that I'm comparing myself to him, but just realizing like, oh, I'm kind of sloppy because I don't have the control because I don't like practice. I just play a lot because I'm always writing songs or I got band practice and stuff like that. But it's not like technique and technique makes a difference, a big difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like you say, like there's musicians you hear that are like, holy shit. And they're not just naturally that good. That's something I've kind of come to the realization of. Um, and I'm a pretty mediocre guitarist because I practice when it's convenient. You know, there's guys that still have that motivation we had when we were freaking 16 to early 20s where you just had the time to practice every day. And I would sit down for hours and practice. And now it's mm -hmm. like I have to force myself to practice, sit down for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just strum it a little bit just to not have little wussy-ass fingers, you know? <laughs> just to keep, to keep those chops up, yeah. Yeah, totally. I still have some songs that like that I'm playing bar chords the whole time, and if I'm playing it on my acoustic guitar, by the end of that song, my hand is like fucking on fire. I'm like, God damn it! I think you'd think I'd be able to do this by now. Props to playing acoustic all the time. I freaking it hurts my hands. That's one thing I love about the electric switching over because I've never really played the electric until until the band this past year. Mm -hmm. Never had my own amp and stuff, so being able to play with it like fun, but it's way easier. It's way easier to play than acoustic for sure. Especially when you're bar recording the whole time, your you know fingers are just those acoustics tear your fingers up way faster. Totally. Well, I think all those years that I was just playing solo acoustic shows, I was actually just do working out my fingers for being way better at electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was really doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, same here. That's I 
I just practiced with an acoustic for like my first few years of playing guitar and uh, switching over that's electric. I was like, ooh, this feels good. Yeah, it. I, I mean, I love playing electric guitar now. Uh, it's it's so fun. It's like I, I feel like such a fucking like nerd, but like it's just like my fucking favorite thing to do. I just love making fucking noise on my guitar. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. So, and I can spend all day doing it. Yeah, crazy things you can come up with on a guitar, like the different sounds you can make. Why well, last time I saw you play, you're freaking soloing, man. When you were freaking lick them strings, they were hot. <laughs> Thank you. No, that. Uh, that's like my favorite thing now is like you, you listen to the band Big Thief at all? Uh, no, I don't believe I heard of them. Um, their their guitarist uh, he he also has some solo music. His name's Buck Meek. I love like some of his solos for the Big Thief songs are like they sound really ugly but like cool and like they're perfect for the song. But you're also listening to it and it's it's like it's like the opposite of what like a solo in a, a white snake or a Van Halen song, which is like this super like technical and like really melodic thing. He's just like making like fucking noise and out of the guitar and it works really well with the song, but it's like, but it's weird. I don't know. I, I just love that. That's something that I try and do a lot more now is like, Oh, I'm using, I'm not like always just playing notes, but I like, I'm always just making noise. Or, you know, sometimes when it's not time to make noise, obviously I lay, lay off. But, you know, sometimes it's just like you're just using the guitar to make noise, not to, like, play specific notes, just to make noise in the odds. Oh, so yeah, fun. yeah, that's something I haven't really never felt until, like, jamming with the dudes. And we jam once a week um, normally, unless we got shows that come up, we'll practice a little more. We'll jam every week and just uh, different shit you come up with when you're playing with guys or you know, your group of... Uh, I don't know, like just whether it's a little intro into a song or an outro out of a song or a little different sound you have, different way you hold the chord and then your bridge. Like there's so many different like variations of the way we play our songs now. It's just I feel like it's what makes it fun and a little more you know, kind of a performance than just playing the songs. Yeah, totally. That's something I was talking to my friend uh, Vincent Draper about when I was in Salt Lake and we played a couple of shows together on this tour. His band Vincent Draper and the Coles who we do very much love the both both their shows that I, I played with them felt like I told them I was like they feel like performances it's not just like you're getting up there and playing some songs like there's some there's some real thought behind like how they flow and like like transitions between songs and it, I don't know it just feels like a like a performance and that's like I feel like that's like an, another level you know that that bands should I mean, I'm not telling anyone what to do, but that I kind of hope to do that when I'm. Yeah, they better be. To all you listeners out there, this is. This is band boot camp. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) band 101. But it is. It builds Uh, a different chemistry. Like once you've been jamming too, I'd imagine on your tours too. That's the funnest thing. That's all we get on tour. It makes it really like carves your sound, and especially you. You know, you've jammed with a lot of different people. I've seen a lot of different groups. I think it's cool every time to have a little different flair to it. Little pizzazz. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's like always been just kind of out of necessity, you know, trying to bring a band out when you can't pay very much or, you know, trying to get people to get time off work and align schedules. It, it just makes it to where like, oh, whoever can come does come, you know, or whoever I can afford. And then, you know, it's still that way. But like now I've got these guys that I've been playing with and we we kind of have like a really steady thing going. So. I'm digging that, but it is, I don't know, That's I, I love playing shows so much because you just fucking, 
Oh, yeah, it's, I forgot until you know playing these shows. I never thought I'd be able to stand up in front of a crowd and sing and play. But when you have a good show, you know, every, I feel like every show from first one just got better and better. It's that different energy when people you look over and see even just one person banging their head. It's just like, oh hell yeah, that makes me want to bang my head, you know. Uh huh. What's your what's the transition from drums to like frontman been like for you to be in? You know, playing guitar and and being the person in the front, like what? Weird as that, that felt like. <laughs> yeah, how, please tell me more. It's been a little weird. I feel like um, I was always, you know, even looking back, is playing drums is so easy. I remember saying so hard at the time, but uh, like being able to sit back and drums aren't easy. Don't get me wrong, but to be able to sit back behind the mix, kind of hidden, you know, have my hat on, and you don't feel like anyone else sees you. It's just a lot easier to focus. When you're standing mm-hmm. right up front, looking everyone in the eyes, <laughs> seeing everyone's reaction, uh, it's it's hard, you know. And we played a couple shows, especially early on, where no one was really moving, and you're just like, oh, I hope this sounds all right. But then I played a couple shows where people are moving around, and you're just like, oh yeah, they're moving. It can't be bad. But it's uh, uh-huh. it's been totally totally different than sitting behind the drum kit, especially not only playing music, I feel like entertaining people. Uh, talking and just all the chatter that's the hard part what have you learned anything in in doing that so recently I, you know like do you have any any ways you approach it now that you didn't have at the beginning yeah i just uh i think it's become just practicing together and playing the same songs you know just a few sets you know over and over so many times together um we just kind of the same bs we do in practice almost forget like the crowd's even there and just talk like normal. Uh, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, it's been a lot easier than when you're actually trying to crack jokes or trying to, you know, entertain the crowd. I feel like they kind of more organically engage when you can just be yourself. Totally. Yeah. When you're not trying to I'm a pretty to entertaining be... guy, you know? Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know that that must be like, I, like the time that I've seen you play, I felt like you just, the transition seemed kind of seamless, but it was also kind of a trip to see you like playing and singing in front of a band when, uh, you know, when I've always played in bands with you and you've always been the drummer. Yeah. I feel like as a drummer, it's, uh, like I said, it seemed easier when I was a drummer or harder when I was a drummer, like to rock out. But the drummer, if you just move in your head, people feel like you're feeling it. The singer, you know, uh-huh. I feel like a freaking pencil the first show we played. <laughs> but I feel like it's kind of gotten better, you know, just by getting out there, by playing in front of more people, uh, practicing, practicing in front of people every once in a while, different type of crowds of people. It's, it's been fun. You know, I feel like this next show is going to be like a anywhere from a country to a rock crowd. And uh, we'll see what they think of us. I've actually never even played there. So. Oh really? I know you got a love hate with them. Oh, I mean, I I will always love the Lions then just because of <laughs> all the amazing experiences I've had there. Uh, yeah, man, tell tell the Lions then what's up. We uh, that that's like the dive bar we all used to go to in, in the hometown. Um, it's been hard to book shows there. They don't do a lot of music events for like. Our style. This is actually going to be a benefit. It's kind of a fundraiser thing they're doing for fentanyl awareness. So a little different. It's going to be like a daytime show, but I think it's going to be fun. 
Oh, nice. That's awesome. That seems like a great a cause that I that me and the den can get behind. Yeah, yeah, it's a big big deal right now. It's a lot of people I've heard of in the last couple of years alone. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. We don't have to. I don't get me started on the the opiate crisis <laughs> and, and and all the billionaires who should should be in prison. But uh, um, the Sackler family. If you don't, if you're not aware of who the Sackler family is, go look that up because fuck. Um, but anyways, uh, well, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of. There's a lot of ground I want to cover, but I don't know. Um, like I want to go back to Alaska and me and uh, when. Sorry, I'm, I'm over here reading about the Sackler family, but anyways. Oh really? Oh really? I was I wasn't talking. <laughs> I was I was talking to the listeners, not necessarily you, but yeah, you should also. Look. I'm a listener too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're a good listener, Ian, and, <laughs> and I'm thankful for it. Um, <laughs> but. I kind of want to go back to Alaska me and just talk about, cause that was like such a formidable experience for the both of us. And it's like a weird thing for me to just talk about. Um, because like, I just feel like I'm reliving the glory days, but if we're both talking about it, then it's like a little bit no- more normal. Yeah. Yeah. Twice as cool. <laughs> yeah. So like that, that summer when, um, I came home from college, you guys had booked studio time at this studio in, Long Island or on Long Island, New York. And at the time we all lived in Arizona. And so what, tell me about like what the thought process behind that was, if you remember, or, or like, like, do you remember what that, that time was like? That trip to New York to record? Yeah. Or the time leading up to it, the time planning for it. Um, It was like surreal. I feel like I didn't seem like, I mean, we weren't taking music very serious. I feel like we were all just kind of, wanted to play a few shows I didn't, you know, it wasn't until I think we went to New York and recorded and actually got to hear our first recordings that I was like oh man you know we're a fucking band like this is cool like I feel like we can do this but uh, I feel like New York was definitely our, you know, our first time in our studio real studio together as a band for mm-hmm. shit what were we two weeks there or something yeah we were there for 10 days or two weeks yeah yeah so that was uh yeah that was the start of everything i feel like i loved about playing music you know we played a few cool shows um gosh i can't even remember we were were we even playing modified arts then yeah i think so i think that summer we probably played modified arts a couple times so there's like only a couple venues i can remember unless you remember more there's like modified arts we played neckbeards like early days Neckbeards, that was, yeah, very early days. I can't really remember any other venues that were playing, like... There was this place called, like, the the Brickyard or the Brick House, something like that, that we played with, uh... What was the name of that band that we opened for? Um, There's uh, Mansions. I can't remember the big band. Honorary Title. That's what it was. Honorary, Honorary Title. Mayday Parade. We opened for them, too. No, Mayday Parade was, a uh, Mayday Parade was that other little venue we played at. Off like oh, 7th yeah. Street or something, too. It was like same area. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was when we were like really diving into it. And uh, yeah, man, that's, I still think of a lot of the shows and the tours and stuff we did in those early Alaska days. And uh, I miss it, you know? 
I mean, what does it feel like to you touring at 19 versus touring at 35? Oh man. Well, back then it felt like anything was possible. <laughs> you know, it just like felt like, um, you know, we were just like starting off on this, this adventure, everything, everything was so new. And so like, I remember driving through Idaho, um, and there was like snow out on the road. This might've been the last tour we went on. Um, but there's like snow out on, on, not on the road, but out like in the mountains, you know, and, and it's like Idaho. So it's like these kind of open fields, but like big mountains kind of in the distance and, and like smaller mountains close by. And, uh, but it's all like snow covered. And I remember being stoned and like back then I didn't smoke a lot of weed, but like, I'm just, you know, we're just like riding in the back of the van and, uh, and Ben was like, yeah, Ben was like, uh, um, yeah, can you believe there was a time where you and I didn't smoke weed? <laughs> um, but I remember Ben saying, he's like, oh man, it feels like outside is that minus the bear record planet of ice. And I was like, fuck yeah. So then like we put on that record and listened to it and it's just like all stoned and it just was like, like everything just was felt so magic and new and like. And I'm not saying that things don't feel this way sometimes, but like I've probably driven through that same stretch of Idaho like a dozen times now. And and sometimes and like a lot of the times it's been alone or like with one other person, you know, when you're like 19 and you're with your like three closest friends in the world, um, you know, who you spend all this time with, like working on music and and, you know, we used to practice like five nights a week and then you know, we, we recorded and, um, it it was just like, we, we all felt like we were all working towards this, this goal together and anything was possible. And now, now it feels like it feels like a little bit more like reality, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's still the best job in the entire world. Like I'm never like the worst day on tour is better than the the best day at a job, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's just like how my makeup is. I just don't like fucking working for other people. Um, but so I still like really love it. It just feels a lot more like, um, familiar and less unknown. And, uh, and sometimes it feels like, uh, um, at the worst of it, it feels like I'm, uh, I'm just still lying to myself, you know, like when I was 19, it felt like anything was possible and that like, you know, we could have been the next Beatles or something like that. Whereas now it's just like, you know, like, I'm just like, lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do love that song. It's on my running playlist. Uh, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like now, now it feels a little bit more like uh, the adult version of that, you know, like I've got to, I've got to do all the math and make things add up and make sense. And, and sometimes it feels like I'm just lying to myself about, uh, about like whether or not what I'm doing is successful or even a good idea. Like, should I just be at home working a job and releasing music until I can play more shows where, there's actually people there buying tickets um, or should I just keep traveling around and playing breweries and, and backyards and stuff, 
I feel like that's the only real way to do it if you're serious, you know, and that's something I've lacked a lot in the years, which is putting my stuff out there, playing shows and grinding, you know. Just put some songs out on SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever and help people hear it. But uh, mm-hmm. I feel like, like I said, it goes, you know, every show we might gain 5, 10, 15 followers, but that's why right now I, I want to play a bunch of shows in different places. And really, at this point in life, I mean, it's easy to do tours because it's like a road trip. That's me and my wife's like favorite thing to do anyway. So now I feel like I should book shows, destination shows. So go on a road trip, try to book some shows in between and push music. That would be an awesome <laughs> job to end up with. Like I said, I don't think you could beat that. So you could freaking make music become something, even if it's just a part-time job. I mean, I don't think I'll ever stop playing music. Totally. Yeah, well, that's kind of the the thing that keeps me coming back to it. And when I say it, like, that's like the worst of it. Normally, it's just the best job I've ever had, and I'm just, like, so grateful and stoked to be out there doing it. But there are times where you have a bad show or you're like, or, you know, none none of the people you thought were going to be there actually come through or, you know, or you just get inside your head about some dumb shit and you, you lose sight of the fact that it is the best job ever and you get bummed about something and then you start doubting yourself and blah, blah, blah. And then, but these days, um, I feel like I have a much healthier relationship with it all where I'm just like so stoked to be able to do it. And like, and the money adds up a little bit better these days than it used to. Not always, you know, it's like right now I'm like very much kind of transitioning from after tour to um, being at home. And like there was this work that I thought was going to be here like right when I got home. And then it's just been kind of pushed back for like three weeks. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know what I mean? It's a it's a um, so it's still like that that whole thing. It's like uh, even all these years later and all these shows and all this work later, it's still very much like feast or famine. But that's how like a lot of people's jobs are. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's hard to have any job from the class that make ends meet. Totally. So, you know, unless you're a painter, then you're rich. Yeah. yeah you're not rich for all you listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I freaking, I love playing music. I don't think... Uh, like I said, I've gone a lot of times without playing it over the years, but it's something that doesn't go away. I think for some people it does. You know, there's a lot of people. I remember when we were playing and uh, a couple drummers quitting when we were probably, you know, our early 20s and thinking, man, how would you just want to stop playing music one day? Like, uh-huh. you know, where you actually sell, not to stop playing it, but like sell your drum kit or sell your guitar. You know, it's that's, I feel like when you're really putting in the towel. Yeah, totally. That's a, uh, um, that's next level because I know so many people that still play a mean guitar and play a lot of guitar and it's and they have other jobs to support their families or because that's just what they'd prefer to make money doing is something else. But they still love music and they still get out and play when they can um, to just give up altogether. Oh, man, that I just don't I don't have any idea what my existence would be like without it. No, it's weird. And we've been I mean, we and your wife have always gone to a lot of shows, but that's something I still like. If we ever have a good weekend getaway, we're probably going to a concert. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just the whole, and that's why I still play music is whether it's going and seeing a big band play or I'm catching you on one of your tours or other friends that I know and seeing them play. And it's like, oh, shit, man, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's the best. <laughs> what do you remember about being your favorite part 
of being on tour when when we were in Alaska and me? Um, gosh, man. Well, the time is the partying because that was when we first started really raging. <laughs> getting lit every night and covering each other. No, no that's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but then looking back, it's, it's it's just all the stuff you see, all the road tripping. Like I said, it's just, I remember driving through Idaho for the first time and seeing like a bunch of rolling hills. And, you know, it just, it just looked totally different than anywhere else or getting up towards Oregon, Washington. Um, we just see a lot of the areas I hadn't seen yet. You know, that's the reason we travel, you know, a lot. I've really gone to Mexico. I need to expand, but in the country itself, there's so many places to see. Mm -hmm. If you're playing music going away, it's just twice as cool. Yeah. You meet so many more people. Um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it is such a fun way to go around meeting people because usually like you're at bars or coffee shops, like your places where people are for the most part in a good mood unless they've had too much to drink, um, you know, and, and like people are excited to see you. It's not like you're like in like the tax man, you know, you're showing up to play music like most people dig music. Yeah. Yeah. If you're there to see music, you're probably a pretty cool person. You can mm-hmm. say. You've got, have you seen any good shows lately? You said you saw Built to Spill, huh? Yeah, I saw Built to Spill a couple months ago. with Sarah Shook and the Disarmers when I was in Tulsa on this tour, and they were so good, dude. Just fucking killer. If you don't know that band, uh, you should check them out. And I'm talking to you and the listeners. Uh, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, dude, it's like kind of like country punk I, I don't i don't know just great songwriting and just a lot of fun and speaking of guitarists who like are really good guitarists but also make like noise in the right ways her guitarist that was touring with her uh blake on this this tour um they're in i think they're in europe right now dude wails like the whole band is really good but he was just he just wailed on that guitar it was so cool watching watching him like i'm familiar with a good amount of her songs. And so, um, like hearing this band, like in their approach to these songs that I already like know the recordings of was really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what other shows I've been to recently. I'm um, seeing the uh, gaslight anthem next month. Wait, what? Yeah. They did a, they got back together a little while back. So they're doing a, I don't know it's a reunion tour or whatever. Damn dude. I, I imagine they're probably going to play out your way somewhere. Yeah, I should look into that. I'm not promoting them. Uh, uh, what? What, uh, they, didn't, they didn't let me on the bill, so. Oh, jerks. Sure. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, when in October is that? Um, that's September 18th. Oh, it's September. Oh, damn. Damn. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, we're already at the end of August. Yeah, you believe that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. It's going fast. What do y'all have planned for Phil in the future? Um, trying to just, like I said, book at least pretty consistent shows. We just want to play. We got a couple new songs um, that we're going to be recording here in October. We're supposed to record in August, but uh, I had to go get stupid COVID and that had to postpone. So we got pushed all the way back to October. But um, some point in the end of the year, I was wanting to do an album, but I don't know if I can wait long enough to put out a whole album. I think I'm going to probably put out a song or two and write the rest of an album. Mm-hmm. And hopefully 
sometimes through spring and summer, come up with an EP or LP or uh, OG or uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear more music. I, I really love everything you've released. It's, it's fucking great. Did you record... Have you done a lot of that yourself and then had someone else mix it? Or how, what was the approach to recording it? For so this first album, Phoenix Sun album, I played a lot of the parts and then had the guys come in and just play, fill in some other parts to make it sound a little more original. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a guy out in Chicago, I forget his name, Six Nick, Nick Spatino or something, but I had him mm-hmm. actually mix and master the album. And that was really cool. I was kind of getting to a phase where I wanted to record all my own music and basically build a studio. But then I stepped into a studio with a real producer, and it's like, shit, that's why you pay these guys money. So we'll be uh, flying to myself was recorded in the studio. That was our first studio track. And I feel like once we all heard it, we were just like, oh, yeah, this is the sound we want. So. That's awesome. That's cool. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that. We've uh, yeah, just gotta write, man. It's hard to, it's hard to write music, I guess. When I force myself to sit down and do it, when you take the time and do it, you know, you feel like you're pushing yourself. But I feel like I almost have to nowadays because you get so busy. It's easy to, you know, just focus on the songs we have. It's actually easier. It's been nice just working on a full set list. Now that we got a couple songs on there, I think we got like eight songs on our set list. It's been mm-hmm. nice to pretty much fill a set. We can add a couple more, you know first couple shows totally. where I still have 20 minutes mm-hmm. getting better yeah um well and part of why you've you've had less time is because you're, you're a new dad you just had a baby uh this summer yep we had a little girl four months ago and uh, she's been pretty cool it's a different thing having a little kid man it's like having a pet but you just can't ever leave it alone so it definitely <laughs> a lot of the things we can do but it uh totally. Been awesome. It's been it's been a busy ass house. We got our little baby. Um, we have three dogs. We're actually taking on a fourth dog because uh, Brittany's grandma has recently passed away. So we agreed to take her little corgi, and it's going to be yeah. We also have a cat now, a barn cat, which became a house cat. And you know, we got chickens and all the other stuff. It's just been it's been a busy house. Yeah, your house is. I'm excited to go visit. Uh, because your house is always one of my favorite places to, yeah, when I go, when I'm in town, it's like one of my favorite things to come out and see you guys. And so I'll be out there for a few days in October, so we'll definitely have to hang. Yeah, that would be super sweet, man. I freaking, hopefully we make it out there. That's uh, it's intimidating, but one day I'll just strap up and do it. I really want to book, you know, all the way up the East Coast. It's just, like I said, it's intimidating looking at all that country to cover and shows but you do it you do it quite a bit <laughs> i don't know how you do it uh just uh, sending a lot of emails that don't get answered <laughs> um but you know you just go out there and, and make it happen you know um it's it's definitely uh i don't know it's it's still a challenge every single time is still a challenge and there's there's things that come up that are like oh fuck i don't know if you know i didn't budget for this or i didn't i didn't plan for this or whatnot and you just kind of have to have to keep making it happen you know you keep trying to get to the next show and then you know the hardest part for me is days off if it's a well-planned tour it's nice to have days off but when i have like three or four days off in a row you're just like 
you just like spending money and you're not making any money. Yeah. And it's like, and that can kind of get stressful. Yeah. I can totally see that. But, but and if you're playing every day, that's like a lot. That's I've never played. You know, we've never played a full tour, so I can't imagine doing like twelve dates straight. Seems like it'd be pretty hard. Yeah, I'm. It it's tough, but luckily. I don't know the dudes that I'm playing with now. This last or the last tour I did with the band in like April, May. You know, we played I say 20 shows in 21 days, something like that. Yep, awesome. Yeah, and we were just like, well, if we're gonna be out here, we might as well be playing shows, and that way, you know, the the tour we did this the fall before was like seven weeks, and part of why it took so long is because there was a lot of time off planned, and so we were like, that was really fun. It was cool to see all these things, but. Maybe we just like kind of cram it in a little bit more so we don't have to be away from home for as long. And I'm, you know, I pay them based on the week. So I was like, yeah, less time out on the road means less money that I got to pay. So um, that works for me, you know? So it's. It is, uh, there's no practice like that tour practice, too. It's like tight. I feel like you could hear it every time we see you on tour, especially. Yeah, day three or four on tour is like the tightest. Like you can't get. You can't get that tight from practicing. You just have to play three or four shows in a row. Yeah. Different crowds, different faces. It's, it's got to be freaking a blast. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's a, it's awesome. I'm excited for you guys to get, start doing that. And I'm also excited to try and like do some regional dates together where, you know, if I come through and we do like a, a weekend or two together or something. Um, that'd be really fun. We're definitely be down. We're all trying to commit more time to music. It's, all of our members are fanatics, you know, especially Cody, our bassist. Uh, he just, you know, he's definitely the most motivated in his shows. I wish I'd practice more, and I, I practice a bit. You know, I try to practice a lot of days, but I guess the biggest thing is I keep the acoustic around because I don't always want to go plug in the electric and mm-hmm. fire up the old engine. Totally. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean it can be a whole process setting up like my pedal board and everything like that. So it's nice when I have an idea just to bust out the acoustic guitar. Uh, what's your songwriting process like? Um, I pretty much, I come up with a riff. I like to sit there and just noodle and mess around, especially if it's late at night uh, or early in the morning. I have my next morning bowl. Just sit there and kind of just, I don't know, find a progression that feels natural that I can kind of almost hear a melody to, which is usually the chorus. And uh, I'll take the chorus and kind of just build off that. Um, lately, I feel like I've just been laying a lot of it down, straightened uh, logic, and then getting my demo basically just built, which kind of makes it robotic. I feel like it's nice when I can sometimes just come up with the whole riff, you know. I'm like, oh, crap, that's the whole two and a half, three and a half minutes. I can just lay that down and the right melodies and vocals to it. But uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it comes up just coming up with a simple riff. And I've really been trying to keep the stuff simple. Not that I'm capable of being super technical, but I like to just keep it simple. I've been listening to so many artists lately that a lot of them I don't even like, but I'm just like, this is the simplest shit. How does it make such a big, good-sounding song? You know, and I've been not yeah, really trying totally. to follow that, but trying to, I don't know, keep things simple, stupid. You know? Yeah, I uh, there's there's definitely a place for both. I think you know, I think some bands like to get really technical or really out there and all these timing changes and whatnot and um i like to do that at times but really at the end of the day if you're trying to write pop music and i'm and i'm not just saying like i'm just saying like pop music in the vein of like the beatles and and like just popular music not 
not what's pop right now, I guess. Um, like being simple and concise with it is, is kind of a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it makes it easier. I feel like, especially for the singing, I guess as a drummer, I feel like you always want to fill in, fit in as many fills as you can. And you always want to do as much as you can, but as a guitarist, it's so much easier for me to come up with cool melodies and not look like a stick trying to play the parts, but be able to just loosely play everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of our songs, I think, are three, four chord progressions. You know, especially our first song, Before You Die, was three chords over and over and over and over. But <laughs> you just change the melodies here and there, and it sounds all right, I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's songs that are just one chord. It's like nobody gets to tell you what what a song is. You know, they can like it or not. But like you, if you want it to be three chords the whole song, then it's three chords the whole song. There's great songs that do that. There's you know, it's uh, lately I've been writing a lot of stuff in the key of G or like E minor, and uh, I just keep writing it in the same the same key. And I'm like, oh man, is it a uh, like if if all or half the songs on this next record are in the key of G or E minor, like what is everybody? And it's and I'm just like, dude, nobody's gonna even fucking notice that. That's the thing. no one's gonna notice. Like the people that do are gonna be music snobs that you know play music, but even then, nobody really cares. It's music. Yeah, totally. Subjective, and it's just—it's art. So. Yeah, and they—they they sound different. They're just in the same key. You know, it's not like I'm playing the same song, but I can just find myself being like judgmental about like, oh, this isn't complicated enough, or this is—you know—like I'm not, I'm not sh- stepping outside of my comfort zone enough or whatnot. But it's like, uh, you know, sometimes just a simple song that just says what it needs to say is all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's uh, it's crazy how many different like melodies and like songs you could pretty much come up with with the same progression. I find myself getting stuck in a couple of progressions. A lot of them like um, E minor, E, and the A. It's like back and forth. I'm like, oh, what do you guys think? This is cool, huh? And Tony's like, yeah, yeah but that's the same chord as Phoenix Sun. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, I even noticed that. It is. Oh, well, <laughs> let's make it a song. Yeah, totally. It's a. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many combinations. Like the combinations are endless, but there's only so many notes, I guess, and there's only so many chords. But the combinations of what was that? So thankfully, it stops at G. You imagine it went to like G? W the chords. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. If there was that many different, just that realist dude. Could you imagine what that that reality would be like with that much? I mean, that many different like notes frequencies i don't know it's like it's like beyond our it's like thinking of a fourth dimension like our our brains aren't like fully capable of it yeah yeah not yet not yet at least we've made it that far yeah or maybe they are and i'm just not that that imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's what music is that's why it's that's something i've realized too because i was so freaking worried about putting these songs out there I remember literally sitting down one night after a couple of drinks with uh, my wife, just like, I don't know, like, I don't even know if these words putting out. I feel like no one's going to give a shit about them, but then it came down to, you know what, like, who cares? Like, it's just my stuff. Let's put it out there, see what happens. And we got a few cool shows, and that's really been my goal. I just want to play music. So being able to hit up a venue or show them your stuff and be like, hey, can we play here? And uh, you do get a show, even if it's just as an opener. I mean, it's been cool. It's been cool doing it like we used to. I mean, we used to have still been playing, but like 
it's uh, it's a different level from just jamming with your buddies or just jamming at home versus actually booking a gig and you know doing it. Yeah, totally. And putting it out there and and like y'all have a following that dig what you're doing. You know, I see it online all the time. I see people sharing your music or listening to your music and um you know what I mean? It's like even if it's just our girlfriends and wives. No, I mean I see people that aren't just your girlfriends <laughs> and wives. Unless y'all have wives and girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. We gotta keep uh keep the options open. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh I've been watching Mad Men lately, so I just like just assume everybody has a mistress. I mean, I don't, but (laughs) you know, because everybody in Mad Men has it. Yeah, I finally finally started it. I'm uh, I'm like halfway through season two. It's it's interesting. I I mean, I really enjoy it, and I keep wanting to watch it. But I am also like, I don't know why I like this, but it's really good. Um, These shows we watched recently. Have you seen the new Game of Thrones? I have not. Is it good? Good. No, I haven't either, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, don't ruin it for us listeners out there. Yeah, don't tell us. Uh, unless you want to tell me in a in a review on iTunes, so then we get another review on iTunes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> tell, give me Game of Thrones spoilers in my iTunes review. No, um, that's something I haven't pushed. I didn't thought about, like, I didn't realize iTunes does reviews. Uh, they do for podcasts. I guess iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts is the right... I'll give you a review, all right? Please do. I'm excited. The way you said that it makes me a little nervous. <laughs> I'll give you a review, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else I would like to get into with you. Um, we've kind of gone over a bunch of stuff. That's the biggest things really lately is other than having a baby. I mean, it's been really the band. I mean, it's thankful to have you know family and wife. Everyone's so supportive of me playing music because. That's literally probably been one of the greatest things in the last 10 years has been just to be able to play music again. Mm-hmm. But thanks. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I'm so glad that you're back to playing. Um, what are some of the challenges that you feel like you face being based in somewhere like Sholo? And what do you think some of the like actual benefits are? It's tough. It's tough as far as booking. Um Especially because a lot of venues want to make sure you have a draw. So convincing someone, you know, a venue we're three hours away from, four hours away from, yeah, we can bring people out there. Or, you know, hopefully that's not the that's them expecting us to bring 100 people out because, it's, uh, yeah, I just got sidetracked. What was the question again? Uh, the, the downsides are... There's a crow. I'm sitting in my car watching a crow bounce around, fighting a little bug. <laughs> so I got... <laughs> No, the downside, though, but, yeah, the downside has been, yeah, booking shows. I feel like the upside, you know, in a small town is uh, you can stand out. You know, there's only so many people up here playing music, uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, we don't play up here a lot. There's not a lot of places I want to play up here a lot, so it's tough to get out there and do your thing. And we play like regularly, um, do a couple house shows and small things, little benefits, but uh, ideally we want to get to the Valley. Totally. I mean, that's a, that's a thing that like, I forget too is, I mean, I've still got boxes of honeysuckle summer on vinyl left that just 
you know, that I still need to get out to people and I need to be pushing it at shows and uh, traveling with it, uh, even though I'm thinking about how to make the next thing. But there's still, I've still got pl- 10, I got 10 years worth of music that like most of the people on the planet have not heard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hard thing is just getting it out there. That's uh, unless you got that one freaking perfect hit and you look like MGK, you're not going to just, you know, be exposed to a million people. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it, I'm sure. And major labels and stuff like that have, have figured out a way to advertise and market an artist like that. But you know, you got to have a lot of money to, to get reach people on that level. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I feel like, yeah, that's probably been the hardest thing about being in a small town. Um, I mean, Phoenix mm-hmm. is right there. It's really close for us. We got a lot of friends in Phoenix and um, probably our biggest following is in the Phoenix area. So we definitely need to get down there you know, as much as we can without, I feel like we're saturating everyone with our music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, I get that. Well, that's like when you remember the daily chorus that that blog we used to read all the time back in the um, Alaska and me days. I remember uh, some one of the writers, Tim Harmon, or who did that? Tim Towner. Tim Towner. There was yeah. Tim Tim Harmon, Tim Towner, and Tim Kirch, all from the Phoenix music scene. <laughs> all the Tims. All the Tims, but uh, Tim Towner. Uh, I feel like he was, um, maybe it wasn't him. Someone who was Greeley Estates manager early on said like what they did early on is they just booked as many shows as they possibly could for this band for the first two years of its existence because nobody knew who it was. So it wasn't like, so yeah, you couldn't get all of your friends out to every single show, but the goal was to be, you know, making five to 10 to 20 new fans at every single one. And if you're playing, he was like, I had them play 13 shows in one month, all within the Phoenix area. It's like, yeah, they didn't bring a lot of people to all of those shows. Um, but they made a bunch of new fans. And then after two years, they were a lot more selective about the shows they played because they had like built up a, a following, you know, and like, and people will like tell you all these, these formulas is how to do it. And there's, there's no like exact way to do it, but that's like one, one idea is like, if you're a new band, just get out there and play as in front of as many people as you possibly can. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's something I feel like I was almost scared to do um, early on. Like literally I remember being so nervous about playing shows and getting out there, but now it's like a, like an itch. I guess I want to play more and more. And, uh-huh. Yeah, we'll be playing Presque, which should be fun. There's so many places around here that we need to book, so many different places to play in Phoenix, That whether it's a little dive bar or, you know, a music venue. Like you said, I guess it's a different crowd at any given night, you know. It's kind of, you know, it's a little Totally. You know, you got to try and do your best to play as little shows as possible where there's, like, nobody there because those can be kind of demoralizing sometimes. But, um, But also... Sometimes those ones are the where you have the most fun with your buds on stage because you're like, I can't believe we're playing to absolutely no one right now. Um, yeah, and that's something I've told the guys from day one. You know, I don't care if five people show up. You know, we book the show. If we're there to play, just picture it as a practice. You know, there's five people there. Uh-huh. Maybe one or five of those people will follow us. If not, you know, it's just uh, there's nothing to lose. I guess going up there and just putting your 
music out there. Yeah, but there's the, and there's also like a lot to be lost by being like a jerk about it or being or being bummed or you know what I mean, just like not being gracious. Yeah. You know, because like if people get their first impression of you as if, as this thing or like this negative thing, it's probably not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You, you remember uh, that band that for that played with us at the the I Will Die in the West album release show there at Blue Ridge, um, and that band that Lisa had booked and uh, oh yeah, and, I remember the name. And like, drop it. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. That band probably didn't last very long after that show because their their singer was like super drunk and just like a jerk the whole time. No, we like, it was. Uh, I remember it. I remember it. It was. I'll, I'll say it. It was Flight Four Hundred Nine, and uh, everyone was super oh, yeah. cool in the band. But it was, I think I think it was the lead guitarist was just like. What was it? The guitarist. He was the blonde haired dude that was just like oh, just running the whole show and just like being a dick, and. uh him and Ben almost got into it for the show, which was totally unlike Ben to be confrontational anyways. Yeah, I remember that. No, and that, that guy was a dick, and it's like, and that whole band was mostly cool, but the only thing I remember about that whole band, I don't even remember their name, I just remember that dude's face and that he was an asshole. Yeah, and that's, but that's, a, I mean, that's where business, or music becomes kind of like a business, you know, if you, if you are a dick, and you, or you treat people like that, unless, you know, that's your freaking <laughs> your facade that uh your persona or whatever yeah yeah whatever like yeah so no that's that's true i i think i mean it's like it's an entertainment business you know and and i i remember being on tour early on when i was doing my very first solo tour um me and this dude tyler who um yeah, who like he, we were touring through California in his uh, his Prius, and like the day we were leaving on tour, he like had invited two people to come on tour with us to play as like his backing band. So there was like four of us plus equipment in this Prius. It was like <laughs> it it was like a fucking the worst. And I remember one of the shows in um. What what town is that? In Orange County, California, the it was at a bar, and and these two dudes weren't twenty one, and so the the dude was like, "Yo, I can let you guys play, but those guys can't come in until like right before the show, and then as soon as it's as soon as you guys are done, they have to leave. Like they can't hang out here." And like they threw kind of a fit. Like one of them was like, "You should. They should be like happy to have us here to play our music. Like they should be, blah blah blah. You know, just like kind of being a dick about it." And I was like, "Dude, you are nobody. Like nobody knows who the fuck you are. Like why would they? Why would they be? You know, like you're acting like you're some sort of rock star. You're no one. Why? You know what I mean? And it just like really. I mean, after that tour, I, I never, I never really talked to those dudes again because it was just like." Cause it's just like, what, what planet do you fucking live on, dude? They're, they have like a full bar of people here to see the other bands. They're not here to see us. And now you're throwing a fit. We ended up not even playing that show because of this, like, yeah, that's shitty. it's just really important. I think for, if anyone's still listening, any, especially songwriters or musicians, just a, just a smile and a, a can do attitude goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I feel like at our age, it's a lot easier to, 
brush that kind of stuff off. You know, I feel like I've grown into some, not really just dickish, but just kind of sound guys that just don't really, they don't care about you, you know, you never played there. But uh, mm-hmm. I've seen how much just being a little smile or a little just, hey, what's up, you know, introduce yourself, being nice goes um, versus a couple bands, you know, that almost like wouldn't talk shit to the sound guy. And uh, they treat you how you treat them. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, that's I. Th- as soon as I'm playing at a new venue, if I don't know the sound person, I'm like, "Hey, what's up? I'm Chuck. Uh, this is my setup. You have any questions for me? You know." And I try and remember their name. I'm not good at remembering names, but I do my best to remember sound people's names because, because like they're, unless you're traveling with a sound person, that's who's gonna make you sound good, and they know the room better than anyone. So, you know. Uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, they're a pretty important role to <laughs> the show. And uh, I was actually totally. talking to somebody about that recently, about how do you feel like, uh, and I mean, it's not like you feel like I'm sure they do, but sounding engineers will kind of just tweak the opener's sound versus, you know, the headliner, especially if it's more of a name playing. Because uh, obviously you wouldn't want the opener to sound better than the closing band, right? I've heard of people doing that in the past like i've heard that i don't know and i'm sure it's happened before but i've never noticed it i also don't play a lot of shows where i'm playing with a bigger band usually i'm it's just me so um yeah so i don't know uh yeah i haven't really had that either i feel like everything's been good it's like maybe a lot of times it's just an excuse for <laughs> you played shitty <laughs> you didn't practice yeah no that's always people are always looking for that excuse to blame why they sounded shitty on <laughs> I don't know. What, anything else you want to go over? You want what do you what do you think? Um, what do you think the meaning of life is? Oh man, that's a heavy one. Um. Well, we're all gonna die, so that's uh, whatever you want it to be. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I feel like uh, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Sorry, that's a that's a pretty heavy question to just like come out of. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't go a lot of ways with that. But I don't know. I feel like uh, it's really been simplified in my older age. Um, my older age, <laughs> yourself. But uh, I just I don't know. It really just comes down to that everyone around you. You know, I've uh, spent a lot of time with family, and now having a daughter, it kind of just trips me out seeing the freaking crazy ass world we live in. Uh, she's gonna be here when I'm not, you know. Totally. Yeah, and life's a scary thing. Yeah, life's a scary thing, but it also isn't like it. It wouldn't be scary if it wasn't also awesome, you know. Like if you didn't, like you can't have good without the bad. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where a lot of us probably use music. I mean, as an escape. I feel like music is my gym time. You know, I don't. We all exercise. I've trying been trying to exercise lately. But uh, mm-hmm. drink water and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just I don't know, there's so much to do in life. That's uh, that's you know why it feels has been such a big thing for us lately. It's just something that we love to do, and I think the most important thing in life is just to have fun. You know, I'm not saying to go out and party it away, but just everything. You know, life is in balance. A balance. Life's about balance, mm-hmm. Charles. Is that the answer? Yeah. No, I think that's a great answer. I think, uh, 
I think there's a good, good middle ground to be found in a lot of, in most things. Um, and also, I mean, by just like having fun, it's like living your life with intention with, uh, um, and there's yeah, so many things out. to have attention for. Yeah. I mean, like with your, with Phil, you know, putting the music out and going out and playing shows and stuff like that. But when you, when you were first making this music and you're like, I don't even know if I should put this out. Um, and then you realize, well, it's like, well, your intention is, is different than what it was with Alaska and me, or, you know, like, you're like, I'm not trying to be a Dell famous or, or even blink 182 famous. You know what I mean? Like I'm, it's a, it's, but, but then you find that, that intention or, or that, that goal or like purpose. And then you're like, Oh, but I can work towards that or I can do that thing, you know? And it does, um, because it brings me joy. I think it comes down to, especially, you know, people take more serious and, uh, it comes down to, I don't know. And one, you want to make a job. I mean, like you said, I'm not going to put out a hit. I don't, that's not the plan anymore. When we were 19, you know, we thought one of our songs was going to, was going to go big. And uh, now that I don't expect that. I think one of my songs, Breaking a Thousand Plays, was big for me. I remember being stoked about that. But uh, mm-hmm. it's just to be able to do it. To be able to do it is fun. But if you could actually do it, whether, you know, you make a living out of it or you just play the rest of your life when you're older and, you know, when you retire, that's my retirement plan is just to go <laughs> play music for a bunch of people our age, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in the club. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, well, I mean, there's something that I, I do – Go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, something that I do think about a lot um, that is that there, because of the internet, there is space for like all different levels of musicians. And there always has been, but like, it's like now you could still, you can still put out your music and promote it to people through the internet um, in a way that people in the 70s couldn't do unless they had a record label. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and that's you watch. I was watching a movie not too long ago. Was it a uh, uh, story of Richie Valens, La Bamba? And uh, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, that's what the goal was: is to get that record deal. You get a song, um, you get a record deal, you're legit. Now it's just you gotta freaking work, work, work your ass off, get your music out there to people that are actually gonna that this gonna be relative to that are actually into that type of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's pathways to find those people now, you know, and it's, it's like hard and there's paywalls and you have to like pay for, for advertising or whatnot, but like you can actually do that now. Whereas before it's like, unless you had money to a bunch of money to give to someone with a big radio footprint, like it's kind of hard to, it was even hard, hard to even like record music back then. Yeah. It is sweet having the pros just that it's, everything's available. Putting your music out there is pretty easy. But uh, there's a lot of cons to it too. It's, it's there's so much music out there. There are so many freaking bands. I saw a post recently from uh, I think it was Gift and Thrift, Gift and Thrift Mesa, um, little company down there, and they put up some shows and stuff. And they had a post. It was like, how many bands are in Arizona? Tag a band, you know, and see how many bands. And I forgot the number, but it was 300 something or like 500 something freaking local bands that got tagged. It's like, holy shit, no wonder it's hard to book shows. There's 500 other bands out there trying to book where you want to book. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's New York City feels that way. Yeah, I I struggle. Yeah, I'd imagine that's a small number for you. I mean, but it's it's still, it's like what it's about is creating a scene in the pocket, in your own pocket, you know, 
or like where you can get your foot in the door and then starting to play there. And then hopefully someone who's got their foot in the door at another venue plays with you at this one. And then they invite you to a show somewhere else. And, you know, and it slowly grows and grows and it's, uh, um, you know, it's much easier said than done. I'm sitting here like I need to send booking emails for the rest of this year and early next year, um, especially here in the city. And I just haven't done it because I get bummed out. But, uh, but yeah, I, it is there. There's, there's like a formula to it. It's just not exact. Yeah. Again, like music. So, I mean, especially where you're at, it's gotta be tons of genres. I'd imagine it's not like it's dominantly rock or pop or is it? No, it's just everything. Yeah. They, they're, they're just, there's tons of jazz bars. There's tons of underground punk venues. There's tons of, it's like it, well, it's like there's tons of them, and then there's also not that many. Like if if you're familiar with the scene long enough, or um, you know, you just like start to be like, oh, the, I know most of the venues in Brooklyn. I haven't played, oh, excuse me, I haven't played anywhere near all of the venues in Brooklyn. Um, not even close, but I am familiar with a good number of them, and I've played a fair amount of them. Um. But then, you know, something I'm trying to do more of is trying to figure out how to get more opening shows for bigger bands because, um, you know, because like there's, I don't know, that just seems like a better move for where I'm at right now. Yeah. But that's really hard to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, man. Let's see. What else you want to go over? What else you want to talk about? Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I have all these things thinking about this all day. I almost had like uh, almost got like butterflies before the before he called. I was like getting a little anxious. Uh huh. Yeah. Now I'm just I'm sitting back and I actually drove down the road a little bit. I'm like a mile down the road because service sucks ass in my house. So I'm like I'm just sitting in the in the woods. Not really woods, but you know, just sitting out here, puffing on my Sitting in the high desert. Mm hmm. I'm sitting on them junipers, puffing patty. Mm-hmm. What's uh? Let's see. I'm trying to think. I mean, we're we're almost at the two hour mark, but I'll. Uh, so you you were you were raised pretty religious, um, like very Christian. Uh, is it? Are you still? Like, how has that evolved as you've gotten older? And now that you have a kid, are you? Yeah. You, you know, we don't have to get. Like, are you going to take your kid to to church and all that stuff? All You know, like, what What do you, I don't Probably. know. Probably. I mean, I am, I, I don't know, religion is such a weird word. I don't freaking, like, say religious. I don't like to really take the denomination, but, I mean, I do believe in God. Um, and that is something, I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an individual decision. It's not something I think anyone should be forced um, to listen to or believe. But I, I'll probably, I don't go to church. Personally, um, every once in a while I go. I mean, nothing against the church. I've seen just as much bullshit at church as I have, you know, a business. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess long story short, I do believe in God. It, it, sorry, I hit mute. But it, it's a weird thing, you know. It's a touchy subject. Something I don't really discuss with a lot of people. I mean, most people that know me kind of know my beliefs. But I mean, to say you're a Christian, I feel like it's such a broad term. No, I don't really. I, don't know, I guess I'd like to say I'm a believer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, it's hard to 
I imagine it's hard to have been raised um, as a Christian and saying you're a Christian, and, th- and then as you get older, you see all these other people that say that they're Christians, but then it's like not, or they do things that don't don't align with your belief in Christianity. You know, like I was raised culturally, I guess technically Christian. I was, you know, Mormon. Mormons consider themselves Christian, but other Christians don't consider Mormons Christian. Uh, <laughs> but like it's... Um, it was like, you know, when, when I started seeing, you know, my my belief or seeing what other people were using, like, Jesus's name to do, it started making me be like a little less likely to be like, or to, I, I don't know, to identify with those people. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, like I said, I've seen stuff in the church that's just, you know, it's hard to hard to believe in what a lot of people taught when you can see what done to a lot of people throughout history. But uh, mm-hmm. I think it comes down for a lot of people like myself. Um, just, you know, we have a hard time grasping the concept that everything around us, the whole beauty of life and the world came from nothing, you know, that there's something out there, whether it's a spirit or a being or something else that's bigger than us. It's just, you know, I don't think it's necessarily... Jesus sitting up on a throne, but uh, it's just something else you can kind of feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, uh, yeah, but like the balance of life, like we are saying, it's just, there's something else that has to balance out this life we live. And maybe it's black, completely blackness when we die. Maybe we're going to be floating around in the stars, who knows? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone knows, but we'll all find out. Um, one day, I, I heard one day we got a lot more. Yeah, yeah, totally. I heard someone recently uh, describe God as the paper that everything is written on, and I'm like, oh, that's I like that as like a metaphor. Yeah, like all, all of existence is. Re- yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. It's all of existence, you know, something like beyond the universe, the galaxy. It's uh, more than our brains could comprehend. Totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just death. I mean, death is a scary thing. So there's so many different ways to view what death's going to be like. But, you know, realistically, when we're all dead, you have nothing to worry about, nothing to stress about. So we should all be at peace at one point, <laughs> one day. Totally. What do you, um, what do you hope it's like when you die? Well, I hope I'm not burning in hell, Charles. <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I hope, uh, if our eyes do even open, uh, I don't know. We hope we have some kind of good memories. I mean, you know, if there's something to hold on to, something to like a recollection. Uh, otherwise, it's all gone. But that's kind of something you just accept when you go. Yeah, I guess we don't really have any control over. It's a weird question to ask. Um, like, what do you, what do you hope it's like when you die? Is like it's it's such a load. Well, it's like I hope it's nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be something I can picture. No. It is something. I don't think we can all yeah. And like I said, I don't think it's what we've read in the books. So. Yeah, I'd, um, I'm with you there. I, I don't. I have no idea what it what it is like, but I do know. There's a great hop along lyric. I don't know if it's about this, but I always thought it was. It's like we'll both find out, just not together. Like, or don't worry, we'll both find out, just not together. And I always imagine that's about like what it's like after you die. Um, you know, like don't, you know, 
Well, we're all going to find out. It's just probably not at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, uh, no rush. There's plenty of stuff to do down here. <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, what's, I'm going to, we're going to end it on this, this question. Can you remember a favorite moment from being on stage or like, like a feeling, or is there like a favorite song you like to play anytime, anything, um, anything you want to share about just like your life and music. That's like, like one of the things that keeps you going back to it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I can remember we played, you know, I don't know, I don't know 50 plus shows, something in Alaska, I mean, probably more, but uh, there's mm-hmm. a handful that would stand out. And uh, one going back, do you remember when we played at the, uh, what was it called? The uh, Desert Ridge or somewhere, but it was like the AZ Teen thing. Did it, uh, oh, that magazine party? Yeah. One of the bands was like signed the same labels, Blink 182 or something at the time. Uh-huh. Rest all being stoked, and we had the thickest line. You know, we had the biggest line for our merch. I feel like we absolutely killed the set. And then uh, I remember yeah. just like first time, you know, first time you get to like, sign things for people, and people are actually coming up to get in line for your shirts or just to say hi or buy a CD. Um, I can remember a few shows like that. Um, I've had a lot of fun these last couple of shows we played, but a lot of it goes back to the early days when we started playing music. You know, Alaska me, um, and I guess when you're playing more consistent, I've made more memories. I feel like in the past year playing music than anything between here and 2009, you know, when we all kind of mm-hmm. split ways. But, um, I would have to say the studio time too. I mean, the time, a couple of weeks we spent with Bob Hogue, him actually shaping us into musicians and kicking our asses when we weren't playing well mm-hmm. to a click or we didn't have our parts ready organized. Like, seeing the real side to music and then coming out with a perfected product. Um, when you can hear yourself sound, you know, like something that could be on the radio. That was one of the coolest things, you know, other than like totally. recording in New York, when we came and got to listen to that first album, like this is real. You know, every time we record a song now, um, we sit down together and we'll listen to it. We did the last one lying to myself. And every time you get to sit down with a different group of people and show them the song, you're like, yeah, like we made this, this is, freaking cool like I, I don't i don't know how we pulled this song out of our asses but we did and it's not half bad yeah no that's uh oh man it's so cool Lis- listening back to a thing like it's like one thing when you're in the studio and listening back but then when it's like done and you all get to listen to it together it's uh it's a cool feeling yeah especially an album you know it's because it becomes like a story it's cool to actually hear uh-huh. it all in order finished way it should be in a perfect world yeah totally i mean yeah well it's i mean that's the the thing is i used to listen to stuff and look for the flaws in it especially my solo stuff like i was always pretty good at just enjoying music as a band when i was like usually when i'm not the singer i guess when i was the bass player it was easy for me to be like Oh, this sounds cool, you know. Like, but then as soon as I started singing again, it was, uh, um, I would I was always looking for the flaws and things. And now I just try and just like enjoy it for what it is. It's just a, it's a performance of music. Yeah, that's and yeah, that's the thing is when you're looking for the flaws, and especially in my my first songs, I feel like there's tons of things we got through that 
I was just kind of like, you know, screw it. We need to get it out there. So a few things that didn't make it out, the shit of, and I'm just like, oh, I tear it apart. And it's like, you know what? I listen to people like, yeah, you hear that one, one thing? They're like, no, I don't hear it at all. What are you talking about? Like, nobody probably notices that except for us because we listen to it a hundred times through. You know? mm-hmm. That's the truth. It's kind of similar to like when you're all worried that everybody's thinking about you and then you get older and you start realizing, oh, nobody thinks about you. Yeah, exactly. Nobody gives a shit, so don't worry about it. Yeah, like they don't think about you in the way you think they do. Well, dude, this has been fucking awesome. I've uh, It's been great catching up with you. I'm I'm so stoked that you're playing music again, and I'm I love Phil. I love the music. I love what y'all are doing, and I love the dudes that you're playing with. Yeah, I'm excited to see y'all play again. Oh yeah, thank you, man. It's been an adventure, and where I think I speak for all the dudes that are uh, we're stoked, we're stoked to be doing it again. And yeah, we'll see where we go from here. Totally. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, Instagram, fill the band. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, most sites. I've never taken the time to set up a band camp, but uh, yeah, fill the band, like fill, like the name. P-H-I-L. Yep. That's, I guess we were saying that earlier in the episode, um, why I went from Phil. I don't know if I ever said I went to fill the band because there was like three fills on Spotify. So I ended up going to fill the band because that was all the URLs I had anyways and just made more sense. I kind of felt like I was copying course the band <laughs> i dig it though fill the band it's uh i don't know it's awesome someone's dad out there listening his name's phil if not someone themselves uh i'll they check it out yeah i mean my friend's band grandpa jack they named it after johnny the guitarist and singer's grandpa jack <laughs> and oh is that really right he he is, i like those guys yeah and he's there grandpa jack is like one of their biggest fans he's he lives there in phoenix uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Jack still rock and rolls. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, this has been great. It's been awesome talking to you. Everybody go check out Fill the Band on Spotify, Apple Music, and follow them on Instagram. Ian, uh, I love you, dude. You've been one of my best friends for fucking 20 years now. Um, yeah, it's it's been awesome. and I'm stoked to see you. I'll see you in October when I'm out there. I can't wait, brother. Cool. Will you take care and uh, give Brittany and the little one my love? Yeah, we'll see you. Whether we're playing together or hanging out, we'll see you in October. And we're going to meet. Can't wait to see you, brother. Hell yeah. Take care, man. One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends called me the dirtbag king She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast